Good morning. Welcome to Westbridge Church. My name is Jeremiah, and I'm one of the pastors here, and it's awesome to have you with us. I want to say hello to those of you watching in our online campus, uh, in our parent viewing rooms. That's a great option if you have small children you prefer to keep with you. And then um, we've also got some overflow seating in our cafe, if you want to watch there as well. Uh, Man, it's awesome. We're like wall to wall in here. Uh, We're going to be adding some more chairs here over the next couple of weeks. And then three weeks from today, we're adding a whole other service. Uh, just to make sure that we can keep making room for everybody. And uh, you're probably looking at my shirt and going, say yes to what? So I'm going to let the cat out of the bag right on the front end. And uh, I want to let you know that at the end of the service today, I'm going to ask you to say yes to a serving team here at Westbridge Church. So there it is. And I did not want you to get to the end and go, oh, man, such a bait and switch. You sucked me in with your stories and got me all emotional and I signed up for something and I didn't even know like, what was going on. So I'm just telling you right up front, that's what's going to happen. I'm going to ask you to say yes to a serving team and now no bait and switch. So here we go. Uh, before we jump into that though, I want to talk about why it's so important, why that really matters that we say yes to a serving team here. And uh, in order to do that, um, we got to look back at what the world looked like nearly 16 years ago. Because 16 years ago, August 27th, 2006, uh, which is actually this coming Saturday will be 16 years, uh, we sat in a living room with 12 people and said, hey, we kind of think we're going to start a church. What do you think? Huh? And everybody said yes. And so that was the beginning of say yes for us. And I look back at that and I think, look at how the world has changed in 16 years. So 16 years ago, 2006, iPhones did not exist. Think about that. That just blows your mind. Uh, The iPhone didn't exist, so we didn't have this. Uh, In fact, we sent out our first mailer in um, uh, early 2007, and my personal cell phone number was on the front because I thought if anybody has questions, they can just call me. We didn't have a, like, church phone. It was just my cell phone. So there it is. 35,000 mailers went out, and uh, they all had my cell phone printed on it, and I had a flip phone. That was... I'm like, Hello? (laughs) And then I'll never forget 2008, I got a Blackberry. It just like changed my whole world. And uh, I don't know where those guys are today. Um, Instagram, Snapchat didn't exist. Facebook existed, but it was this weird wall where you would post something called Flare. Anybody remember that? No, you were too busy updating your MySpace page in 2006. That's what you were doing, being friends with Tom. Uh, If you wanted to go somewhere, you got a taxi. Because Uber didn't exist. Lyft didn't exist. None of these driving services existed. And if you were the driver, you better have had a Garmin device because you did not have GPS on your phone. You had a separate little computer that you had to mount in your dashboard and like type in the address and it would pull up MapQuest and like take you the wrong way, you know? And then uh, Friday nights, this is what we used to do Friday nights, 2006, we'd go to Blockbuster. (laughs) Yeah, baby. Go down, browse the aisles for the DVD that we wanted to watch. And some of you, though, were super hip in 2006. You already signed up for this weird thing called Netflix, where you had this queue, and they would actually mail you DVDs in a little pouch. And then you would, like, watch them and then drop them in the pouch and send them back. And then they'd send you the next one in your queue. I forgot that Netflix even did that. Think about that. That's how much technology has changed. And the, the reality is it's changed so fast, it's created all kinds of new phenomenons. Uh, in December of 1992, a young engineer did something that would forever change the way that we communicate. That's when the first text message was sent as a sort of an experiment in a computer lab. And it's changed the way that we communicate ever since. Uh, 97% of all Americans who have a smartphone use texting. 
and the average response rate to a text message is 60 seconds. Compare that to like the voicemail that you got that you still haven't listened to from a week ago, you know? And texting has brought on a whole new language of <coughs> text speak abbreviations. You know, we can't, we, it's like we can't actually type out a word, meet me halfway, right? BRB, you know? And so here's some of these, uh, some of these text things. See if you can get some of these, shout them out. Uh, the first one's pretty obvious, LOL. Everybody knows what that is, right? Laugh out loud, yeah. Uh, just a little helpful hint here. This does not mean lots of love. So don't send this to a friend and they're in the middle of a crisis or a family member just, you know, you lost a loved one. You're like, hey, LOL. Like, don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. Uh, how about this, BTW? By the way, yeah. Hey, BTWs. Isn't it just easier to just say by the way? But no, we've, we, okay, anyways. Uh, TTYL. Talk to you later, right? Uh, how about this one? Uh, IMHO. See, first service said that too. And I actually thought it was in my humble opinion. Uh, and I, I'm going to stick with this. I think this is right. IMHO. Uh, in my humble opinion. Uh, KPC. Getting tougher. This is keeping parents clueless. Oh, you're learning something here. Okay, so here's the deal. If you have teenagers and they're like, hey, we're cool, KPC. I just want you to know, that kid's sneaking out tonight, all right? I'm just telling you. <laughs> Keep an eye on that one, all right? And then uh, this one, everybody knows, WTF. Go ahead and shout that out. That's right. Uh, worship Teaching Fellowship. <laughs> That's what we do here, okay? That's what we do. So I want to encourage you to invite your friends be like, hey, come to Westbridge with me, WTF, right? And they'll just, they'll just love it. It'll be great. Uh, <laughs> here's another abbreviation that we introduced you to a few years ago. Uh, this one just rolls right off the tongue, P-H-P-F-A-F-J. It just, it's just so easy, you know? And this one stands for people helping people find and follow Jesus, P-H-P-F-A-F-J. So it's so smooth. And... Here's the reality. The mission of the church is this unchangeable part of our DNA. So when we do this series called DNA, it's because these are parts of us that are just unchangeable. This is who we are. And the mission is unchangeable. The methods, like technology, methods continually change. But the mission of the church never changes. In fact, it's the, it's the one thing that Jesus promised to build. And here's what Jesus said to his disciples. He said this, I will build my church and not even death will be able to overcome it. In other words, Jesus said, I'm going <coughs> to build a gathering of people. I'm going to build a group of people. That's what the word church means. It means this gathering or this assembly. And I'm going to build this group of people. And nothing's going to be able to stop it. In fact, generations of people will come and go. And a whole entire generation will die away. And a new generation will come. And that group will continue to build something called the church, this assembly, this group of people around the good news of the message of Jesus. And it's going to happen year after year, generation after generation, uh, decade after decade, century after century. In fact, nothing is going to be able to stop this movement called the church. And so Jesus has been building this church, and nothing's been able to stop it. Scandals haven't stopped it. Wars haven't stopped it. Persecution hasn't been able to stop it. Pandemics haven't been able to stop it. The church continues to move forward. And if, if you're wondering, all right, what is Jesus up to? Like, he's building his church. That's what he's passionate about, okay? He's not sitting around on a cloud directing some angelic harp choir. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, he, he's not sitting, you know, 
in a rocking chair worried that the planets are going to slip out of orbit. He's not, uh, you know, trying to get his wordle done for the day. Uh, Jesus is 24-7 building his kingdom, okay? He's building his church. And all over the world, Jesus continues to build his church. And here's what's amazing when you think about church. Jesus didn't establish the church for people with a common interest. You would think that, oh, Jesus established the church for people who were all interested in God. Jesus didn't establish the church for people who had a common interest. Jesus established the church for people who had a common problem. And the problem that people had is they didn't know where they stood with God. And Jesus, the the word that's often used in the scriptures, uh, Jesus would call them lost. Now, lost means not that, you know, their Garmin and MapQuest wasn't working very well. Lost meant, I don't know where I stand with God. Relationally, I'm lost because I I don't know, is God distant? Is God angry? Where do I stand with him? And so Jesus came to introduce people to something called good news, to show us where we stand with God, that God actually created us, that God actually loves us and is for us, and that he's actually invited us into family relationship with him, that we can be sons and daughters. That's really good news. And so here's what Jesus said to his disciples. He says, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. Guys, this is really good news. This good news is the news that Jesus rose from the dead and that you and I have been invited into God's family, that God loves you deeply as you are, but he also loves you too much to leave you as you are. So whatever brokenness you bring with you, God loves you in all of your brokenness, in all of your mess, but he loves you too much to leave you in your brokenness and your mess. So he's going to help you move forward to become everything he's created you to be. And then you get a community of people to walk that out with together, and you're going to discover how much you're loved by God. And you're going to begin to put your trust in his way of living, not because God needs that, but because when you live life the way that God designed life to be lived, you actually step into the life that is truly life. You you discover a life filled with joy and purpose and, and satisfaction. And so how do we do that? How do we tell the good news of Jesus to everyone? How do we just go everywhere and tell the good news to everybody? Well, it starts with this. Number one, we extend an invitation. We extend an invitation. We say, hey, come and see. And this is really important. When I was 10 years old, I was invited. I was extended an invitation to come to something called Pastor's Kids Retreat. That's right. It's as dorky as it sounds. And my dad was a pastor. And so all the pastor's kids in Minnesota, it was a weekend retreat. And so I started going to that when I was 10 years old. and, uh, And then I went every year all the way through high school. When I was 16 years old, uh, my wife, Cherry, she was 16 at the time, was also invited to that same retreat. And on the first night there, she invited me to play a game of basketball in which she proceeded to tell me that she loved my pretty blue eyes. She's such a player. (laughs) And then at the end of that weekend retreat, I invited her to break curfew and sneak out of our rooms and hang out. And uh, we did that. At the end of the weekend, she invited me to hang out at her place the following weekend to actually come and and, uh, go and hang out and have some fun at at this place I'd never heard of before because growing up in Buffalo, I'd never heard of this city, Maple Grove. (laughs) Now, this is mid-90s, mind you, and uh, there's no GPS yet, all right? So I was like, Maple Grove. She's like, yeah, you should come hang. I live in Maple Grove. And I was like, well, it was good while it lasted. Have a good life. I'll never see you again. So I went home and I took out my atlas. And I like number and letter. And I was like, oh, I think we can make that work. 
And then uh, after I graduated high school, I was invited to move to Chicago. And I was living in Chicago. And I invited her to come down and visit me. And she came down and visited me for a few days. And after that, I invited her to not date other guys. <laughs> and she accepted that invitation. And then a year and a, about a year and a half later, uh, I invited her to hang out with me for the rest of our lives. And she said yes. And so we continued moving forward. Well, what's the point of all that? Well, I tell you that because when you think about it, at every major intersection of your life, there's been an invitation. In fact, you can actually tell your story through the lens of a series of invitations. And when you really think about it, and don't think about it for too long, but you're here because of an invitation. Like, the only reason you exist is because somebody invited somebody else to something somewhere. And you are a result. Think about that. All invitations. Seriously, everybody got to this world through a series of invitations. And when you look at the major intersections of your life, there's an invitation. And some of these invitations you wish you would have said yes to. And there's some invitations that you wish you would have said no to. But invitations play a powerful role in our lives. In fact, one invitation can be life-changing. One invitation can change everything for us. Saying yes to an invitation could be the most defining moment of your life. And that just means that even though I don't personally know every single one of you who are here in the room today or those of you watching online, uh, I do know this. Somewhere along the way, you're here or you're watching online because someone invited you. Somebody somewhere gave you an invitation. Somebody somewhere sent you a link. Somebody somewhere invited you and said, we want you here. Come and see. Whether it was a, a mailer that we sent out or a postcard that we sent out or a friend invited you or we invited you through our friends at Google or Facebook. Somewhere along the way, we said, hey, we want you here. You're invited. Come and see. And here's what's really incredible. You actually have the power to change the trajectory of someone's life through one invitation. You have the power to change the course of someone's life, potentially someone's eternity, through a simple invitation. That's amazing. In fact, we discovered this happens a lot in the life of Jesus. There's a... Uh, this story that's recorded for us in Luke. And I love this story because it shows the power of this invitation. It says, one day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. And they tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So pause here for just a second. Think about this. You open up your house. You hear that this Jesus guy has done some amazing things and that he's healed people. And, and so you're like, OK, I'm going I'm to invite Jesus to my house. And Jesus comes to your house. And a whole crowd of people come with him. And some of them are the religious leaders and the Pharisees and kind of these people who are sort of these spiritually elite in their culture. And then you have a whole bunch of other people. A big crowd starts to gather. And pretty soon, your house is packed. I mean, wall to wall, people sitting on your couches, people sitting on chairs and stools and on top of your island. And I mean, it's just everywhere, people. And Jesus is talking. And pretty soon, the crowd is so big that they're, they're actually lined up out your door. And they're sitting in your lawn. And they're just trying to catch what Jesus is saying. So you open all the windows and just trying to make sure that people can hear. And all of a sudden, these four guys show up. And they've got a friend who's paralyzed. And so they're carrying him. And they're like, man, we just got to get him to Jesus. And they're looking around. And, and they, they see that the, there's just no way we're going to get there. There's no way we're going to find our way to Jesus. And so uh, they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. 
So you're sitting there, and you don't even know what's going on. You just know that the crowd has grown, and you didn't even realize there's four guys circling your house trying to figure out. And pretty soon, you see a ladder line up against the window outside your house, and you see some people. You're like, what is going on? And all of a sudden, they start creating a skylight in your living room. You're like, well, we always wanted one there. And they start to lower a guy down into your living room right in front of Jesus. This is what they did. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. And seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to him, your sins are forgiven. The story goes on to tell us that the Pharisees were upset because they said, well, only God can forgive sins. And so then Jesus says, all right, fine. Hey, you're healed. Get up and walk. And it's amazing because you notice it is not the faith of the paralyzed man that moved Jesus to action. It was the faith of those who brought him. It says, upon seeing their faith, Jesus turned to the man and gave him not only the healing that he was looking for, but gave him so much more that he didn't even realize he needed. We're never told the names of the four men. We're never told the, names of their, the name of the friend who was healed and forgiven. I'm not sure they even knew what to expect when they showed up to this house lowering him down through the roof. <coughs> they simply knew one thing. If we can get him to Jesus, it might work. All they knew was this. OK, this Jesus has a reputation. He's done some things. He's healed some people. I don't even know what's going to happen. But if we can just get our friend to Jesus, if we can just introduce him to Jesus, if we can just get him in the proximity, the same vicinity, if we can just get him in the area, even if we've got to lower him down through the roof, if we can just get him to Jesus, Maybe, maybe something could happen. Let me ask you this. Is there anybody in your life that you feel that way about? Is there anybody in your life that you just go, man, if I could just get them here, if I could just get them through the doors, if I could just get them to experience the grace, the hope, the love, the joy that I have found in Jesus? I know, like, I don't even know what would happen. I just want to get them through the doors. I just want to get them into this place. I just want them to experience what it's like to, to just, I don't even know. I don't have any expectations. I just know if I can get them in the room, maybe they'll experience the same grace, the same love, the same joy that I've experienced. And I will go to any length to try to get them here. Could you imagine what would happen in the life of your friend or your neighbor or your coworker? or your loved one, your family member, as a result of your decision to take a risk to extend an invitation. And here's what's amazing. We see this happen over and over and over again in the life and teachings of Jesus. Over and over again. There's a guy named John who's one of Jesus' closest friends and followers, and he records some of these stories for us. In fact, uh, one time in John chapter 4, Jesus is talking to a woman at a well, and he says, the woman left, uh, John is writing this, he says, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? And so the people came streaming from the village to see him. Another time, John records this for us. He says, uh, Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah. And then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Andrew is like, we found Jesus. So he brought Simon to him. Another time, John writes this for us. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Here's Philip. Come and see for yourself, 
Philip replied. Come and see. I just come and see. Hey, Simon, just come and see. I think this, you just got to meet Jesus. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever knew. Come and see for yourself. I don't know. I don't have all the answers, all right? But all I'm telling you is just come and see. Do you know why I'm so convinced that inviting people is the most effective way to introduce people to Jesus? It's because we are collectively the best representation of Jesus to the world around us. Collectively, not, not me individually or you individually, but collectively, when we come together collectively, we are the body of Christ. We are the best representation, the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. And when people see the way that we love one another, the way that we interact with one another, the way that we show grace to one another, that should be, that ought to be a reflection of the person of Jesus in our world. And that's one of the reasons that saying yes to a serving team is mission critical. Because we want to create environments here together that paint a picture of the love of Jesus that none of us are able to create on our own. See, collectively, we can create these environments where it makes it easy for you to invite your friends. It makes it easy for you to say, hey, come and see to your neighbors and coworkers and family members and loved ones. But do you know what we can't do? We can't work where you work. We can't be in a cubicle next to the person you're in a cubicle next to. We can't live next to the people you live next to or be related to the people you're related to, be friends with the people you're friends with. You have been uniquely and strategically placed by God in a specific circle of influence so that you can make a difference and help fulfill the mission of PHPFAFJ. <laughs> and believe me, I understand the hesitation. Because I, I, when I think about taking a risk to invite somebody, uh, it conjures up all kinds of images for me from childhood that I'm just like, Ugh, I don't know if that's really me. Like I start to think about like a, a televangelist who ends every word with, ha, come to church and talk about Jesus. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, please, Lord, no. Uh, I think about the, when I was a server, I used to work at Applebee's and, and uh, people would leave like, a, I'd be like, oh, it's a $20 tip. And then I'd pick it up and it'd be like a fake $20 bill with like a Bible verse on the back. And I'm just like, that is the, if you're trying to help people discover the generosity of Jesus, don't leave a fake $20 bill with a Bible verse on the back. <laughs> That's a huge turnoff, FYI. It conjures up for me images of uh, people with picket lines. It conjures up for me images of people in white shirts and ties showing up to my door. Uh, it conjures up for me stories when I was a kid, and we'd bring in like a guest speaker, you know, and, I, and as a kid sitting in church, and the guest speaker would be like, I was on an airplane, and I had a Bible open, and the person next to me was like, what are you reading? I'm like, well, I'm reading about Jesus. And they're like, I want to follow Jesus. And the person next to them started following Jesus. And the whole plane started following Jesus. And we were flying over a remote village. And I parachuted out. And, and everybody in the village started following Jesus. And you're like, oh, boy, here we go. It's like such an exaggeration. I'm like, come on. That can't be true. And none of that's remotely appealing to me. In fact, I see a lot of that as a barrier to actually inviting my friends to come and experience the love and grace of Jesus in an accessible environment. And so we said this last week, we want to be a place that keeps all the bottom rungs on the ladder so that when you do invite a friend and you say, hey, come and see, that there's actually a starting point for them, that they don't have to feel like they have to be Jesus Jr. to walk through these doors. And that's why I'm asking you to say yes to serve on a team. Here, here's why that matters. See, when you say yes, you make invitations possible. When you say yes to a serving team, you make come and see possible.
It's impossible for us to invite people to these environments if we don't have people serving in these environments. But what if we all partner together to create amazing environments that make it so easy to invite your friends that when they're here, they can have a very clear presentation of what it looks like to follow Jesus and how much God loves them and cares about them. That's what we're striving to do here every single weekend. And you have the power. No matter what your education level, no matter what your level of resources, uh, no matter what you feel are your talents, every single one of us has the power to change someone's life through an invitation. And we want to make Westbridge Church, we want to make sure that it's always easy to invite your friends. But that means that we have to work together to create these environments. Here's what the Apostle Paul wrote to a group of people living in the city of Corinth in the first century. He had started a church. And then he started traveling, and he wrote a letter back to this church in Corinth. And one of the metaphors that he used to help them understand is a body. He says this, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you are a part of it. So he goes on to say, like, the idea behind this is that uh, it's the perfect metaphor. Because the body collectively is made up of all these different parts that do all these different things. And the eye doesn't hear and the ear doesn't see, but they both do their role. And collectively, as they work together, the body accomplishes what it's supposed to accomplish. And yet, if you're missing certain parts of the body, it makes it much, much more difficult to do what the body is designed to do. In the same way, the church, this gathering of people, not the church building, that's not a church, this is just a box. The church is people. Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build a gathering of people around this good news. And the church is the body of Christ. It is, it is you and me, every single one of us, collectively make up the whole. And when each of us does our function and does our role, then the body works the way it's supposed to work. That's why here at Westbridge Church, we're not a cruise ship, we're a rowboat. So we don't walk around, uh, you know, the Lido deck sipping martinis. What do we do? We get involved. We're working together so we can create environments that make it easy for you to say, come and see, come and see, come and see. We want to make sure it's always a welcoming environment for seekers and starters and returners. Seekers are people who have questions about faith. They're, they're just trying to figure it out. Starters are going, all right, I'm just, I'm at the beginning. I'm ready to walk through the doors. Returners are people who go, I had a bad experience and I left faith in the rearview mirror 15 years ago. But you know what? I'm, I'm willing to give it another shot. And they're coming in with some hesitation. And... We've grown as a church primarily through invitations. People just like you who have understood this. Okay, I don't have to be a Bible scholar. I, I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to be a marriage counselor. I don't have to be the, the perfect dad or the perfect mom. I don't have to be the perfect spouse. But I can invite someone. I can say to a friend, come and see. And I don't know all the, I can't answer all their questions. And, you know, I don't know all the things in the Hebrew scriptures. And, uh, but I can say this, come and see. Come and see for yourself. Why do you go to that Westbridge church? What is it? I mean, why do you, why do you show up there? Man, just come and see. Come and see for yourself. And God's done something here at Westbridge that I think has blown all of us away. And when people who are seekers and starters and returners, people who are far from God and, and they want to be close to God, people who have been beaten up by sin and been the consequences of sin, and they come and they're among people who are following Jesus, who are... Uh, uh, truthfully, I had this conversation this week. Someone said, so what, describe what denomination you guys are if you're not, a, you know, what, because I came out of this denomination, I'm trying to figure out what denomination you are. I go, it could best be described as a group of misfits trying to follow Jesus. That's all I got for you. I don't know what to tell you. That's it. 
And God's doing something with that. And, and it happens here every single week. People say, all right, God, I, I don't know if I'm the most qualified, but if you'll use me, I'll, I'll, I'm going to show up. And some of you, you get this because you were a seeker and you were a starter or you were a returner and somebody invited you. And you remember the first time that you walked through our doors and someone waved to you as you drove into the parking lot and you're like, oh, okay, well, that's kind of nice. And then seven people said hi to you as you walked through the doors. You're like, okay, all right. They're competing with Walmart around here. And somebody walked you to the kids' area. Somebody walked you around the kids' area. Somebody showed you where the coffee was. Somebody made room for you at their seat. And, and that's all intentional because we want to make it easy to say, come and see, come and see, come and see. And nobody's eyes were glazed over and nobody was twitching and nobody was handling poisonous snakes. And, and you didn't even believe what we believe. And, and you went, okay, I... I'm, not, I'm still not going to be a Jesus person. I don't know if I believe all the Jesus stuff. I don't know if I'm really a Bible guy or a Bible girl, but that was the nicest group of people I've ever been around. They were so kind. They were so considerate. They were so loving. I want to go back there. I want to try that again. I, I don't, I don't uh, you know, subscribe to all the things that they subscribe to, but I want to be around that. That community was about love. That community was about kindness. That community was about grace. And there's, there's hope there. And, and you understand better than most the power of an invitation. Because if you or someone you grew up with, uh, maybe you had a church background, you will never understand why we do church the way that we do church more. You'll never understand it more than when you extend an invitation. Because the moment you do, your antenna go up, your radar goes off, and you start to see everything differently. It's just a fact, right? There's nothing more informative to why we do what we do the way that we do it uh, than attending church with someone who is seeking, starting, or returning. Because the minute that you do that, you risk inviting one of your friends, and suddenly you see everything through a different lens. You want everything to be right. It's like, okay, the minute your friends are here, okay, kids' check-in is suddenly very important to you. You've never thought about kids' check-in before, but now you're like, oh, man, I hope kids' check-in is working good. And, and good coffee is suddenly more important to you. And you're thinking, all right, I, I, hope, I hope that guy who speaks doesn't say something crazy this week. He normally says something crazy. And uh, man, I hope it doesn't seem too long for them. And, I, and I, hope, I hope they sing my favorite song. All of a sudden, everything we do is super important to you. You want this environment to be good because you took a risk to invite someone. One of my favorite things that happens pretty consistently is when people walk up to me and they go, hey, they sort of pull me aside. Hey, I, hey, I invited somebody today. I love that, because that's just code for, like, don't screw this up for me. <laughs> I'm like, all right, man, I get it. <laughs> Jesus came to find people who were far away from God, who were relationally lost. They didn't know where they stood, and restore relationship. And that's the mission that we're committed to. But if we're going to continue to do that effectively, we've got to keep inviting people. We have to keep saying, come and see, come and see, come and see. And all of a sudden, when you start inviting people, you start to see why we do what we do. And when you see it, you'll get involved. When you see it, you'll say yes. You'll jump into a serving team. You'll do everything you can to create environments that make it easy for other people to say, come and see. Because you know the difference it's made for you and your friends and your family members and your coworkers and your neighbors and your loved ones. And you'll go, man, I want to create environments like that so that when other people say, come and see to their friends and neighbors and coworkers, that there's environments here to invite them to. Now, there's one requirement to pull this off. Here it is. Make availability a priority. Make availability a priority. Not just be available, that's one thing, but actually prioritize your availability. 
See, here's the different sort of levels of buy-in that churches tend to experience. And, and none of these are bad, but churches actually thrive when you have more people in a, this third category. The first one is this, those who believe in the vision enough to benefit from it. So they go, man, I love the, I love the idea of a church like this. That's fantastic. We should, man, let's do it. And, uh, and I'm getting a lot of benefits from this. And the truth is, as long as you're only serving whenever it benefits you, that's fine. That's a great place to start. But that only sustains you for so long. And then eventually you go, you know what? I'm going to be believe in the vision enough to actually contribute on a regular basis. But it's kind of a casual contribution. So it's like, hey, I would love to get involved. I love the idea of being on a serving team and creating environments like this for other people. But uh, man, we got this, we got that, we got this, this is coming up. Okay, so, you know, but, but when I'm available, I can totally jump in. I'm just not available that often. And that's great. We'll take it. We want you to, to experience that. That's a great way to dip your toe in the water. But can I tell you what really helps churches move forward? What really helps churches invite more and more and more people to experience the love and grace of Jesus? It's this third category, those who believe in the vision enough to prioritize their availability, who say, I'm going to make myself available because this really matters. So I'm going to say yes, and I'm going to try to clear as best as I can, because there's life, I get that, as best as I can, I'm going to try to clear this time slot and make myself available so that it makes it easy for people to say, come and see. And here's just the reality. God always works through people. But what makes the biggest difference in the church isn't the people who are the most qualified and the most educated and the most influential and the most likable and the most well-resourced and the most spiritual and the most talented. Those are the people who make the biggest difference. The people who make the biggest difference in churches are people who simply <coughs> make themselves available. Ordinary people who make themselves available. God... If you're up to something, I want to be a part of it. God, it feels like you're doing something, so I don't want to miss it. So I'm going to make myself available. And I don't feel capable or trained or confident that things are going to go good, but if something needs to be done, I'm willing to do it. Put me in the game, coach. And the reason we sit here today as a church, and the reason that there is even the church at Universal, is because in every generation and in every environment, somebody has come along and said, God, if you're up to something, I want to be a part of it. I'll make myself available. See, he, here's a key question that each of us needs to ask, and then we'll close. Where can I get personally involved? Where can I get personally involved? See, I, I don't think anybody disagrees with the idea of a church for everybody. When we talk about putting the rungs on the ladder, we all agree with that. We love the idea of all the bottom rungs on the ladder. We love the idea of environments that help people grow in their faith and follow Jesus. We love the idea of kids' environments that our kids can't wait to get to. We love the idea of student environments where our middle school students and high school students can anchor their faith through their adolescent years. We love the idea of seeing our friends and neighbors discover the love and hope and grace of Jesus for the first time. Nobody disagrees that a church like Westbridge is a great idea. All of us are behind it conceptually. Now, I want to challenge every single person in this room, every single person watching online, whether, no matter when you're watching, I want to challenge every single person who loves the idea of Westbridge Church, who is behind it conceptually, to get involved in it personally. See, I know you love this church. That's not even the question. I love and appreciate what God is doing here. But if it's going to continue to happen, if we're going to continue to have environments where we can say, come and see, come and see, come and see, and we're going to be able to continue to be true to our mission 
of people helping people find and follow Jesus, then those of us who call Westbridge Church our home got to find a place to get personally involved. And I love the encouragement that the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He says this, always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Throw your all into it. Make it a priority. Nothing that you ever do to help build God's church is ever a waste of time. And on any given Sunday, for us to be at full capacity, especially in three weeks, we're moving, we're adding to a third service. So over the next couple of weeks, you're going to see some more chairs coming in here. You're going to see a third service time. Uh, we are, we've already sent out, it'll, it'll hit mailboxes uh, probably uh, late next week, uh, 85,000 mailers to our community. Why? Because we want to invite more people. Come and see, come and see, come and see. But on any given Sunday this fall, for us to be at full capacity just to pull off a normal service, it takes about 200 volunteers. <coughs> Excuse me. Because think about this. We've got a nursery with volunteers in it, and then we have a two-year-old room, and a three-year-old room, and a four-year-old room, and a five-year-old room. And we've got a kindergarten first grade room, and a second and third grade room, and a fourth and fifth grade room, and a sixth through eighth grade room. Just those rooms. Fully staffed for adults. Think about that. Times three services. And then every Sunday, we have people who are waving. We have people who are brewing coffee. We have people who are all through the lobby, helping people, directing people where to go. People are running cameras. People are playing instruments. People are running soundboards and lights. And people are doing online broadcasting. And they're all volunteers. And I just want to maybe challenge you a little bit to go, it's possible you've never actually stopped to think about all that goes into just pulling off one Sunday, let alone doing it week in and week in and week out with consistency so that there's always a safe place to say, come and see. And if that's the case, I'm asking you, I know you love the concept. We all love the concept. But let's move from, I love this conceptually to I'm going to get personally involved. I want to make it happen. See, the church of Jesus is not built on the talents of the few. It's built on the sacrifices of the many, the collective. Now, if you're already on a serving team, I want you to hear this in big, bold, all caps. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Keep doing what you're doing because it makes a difference. Every single week, I get the opportunity to follow up with people who have indicated to us by checking a box on their connection card, they've said, hey, I prayed that prayer with you guys, and I want to say yes to follow Jesus. And I get the opportunity to follow up with these people consistently. This week, we're baptizing this afternoon over 20 people. Why? Because people whose lives have been changed by Jesus. And we just keep going, hey, come and see. Come and experience it. Come and see. And so I just want to say to those of you that already serve, thank you so much for what you do. And for those of you that are kind of figuring out, is this the church for me? When you decide, okay, this is, this is my church home, I'm asking you to jump in. Move from I love this conceptually to I'm going to get personally involved and make it happen. Would you say yes to a serving team? And here's how you do that. Right in our lobby, there's a bunch of cards that say, say yes, right on them. And they're different things. Student leader, kids leader, greeter, midweek, all kinds of opportunities to serve. And these represent all the things that we need to fill so we're ready for when we go to three services. And we want to make sure that those are filled and that we have the next few weeks to get you onboarded and figure out what it looks like to serve. <coughs> and listen, if you're like, man, I'm scared to death to serve. Like, like what happens if I get there and, and like, I don't like it? No problem. We'll help you find another place to serve in. We'll figure it out. We'll navigate that together. Uh, and we're not asking you to like show up at all three services every week. We're saying find one spot 
on a consistent basis that you can just give some time to, to collectively, when all of us does our role, then it never becomes too heavy or unmanageable for anyone. So say yes. And if you've never said yes to following Jesus, I want to invite you to say yes to that as well. Here's the message of the scriptures, cover to cover. God's building a family and he wants you in it. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And if you've never said yes to that, it's not anything you have to behave your way into or earn your way into. It is an invitation that's been extended by the God who created you and loves you. And you can say yes to that invitation by just agreeing with this prayer as we close. God, please forgive my sins. Forgive me for the times that I've walked away from you and I'm so glad you never walked away from me. And I pray yes to the invitation to be a part of your family. Make me your son, make me your daughter. And then help me to trust you and your way of living <coughs> as best as I know how from this moment on. And God, I pray for every one of us who are doing our best to follow you each and every day. May we have the courage to move from, I love the concept of a Westbridge church to, all right, I'm gonna get personally involved. I wanna create environments that make it easy for people to say, come and see. May we see it through the, through the lens of people who are seekers and starters and returners. And collectively, may we be an incredibly loving and accurate reflection of the grace and hope and joy that are found in you. We commit this to you and we pray this in your name. Amen.